0: The Oklahoma City Thunder will have an elite defense this year, and it showed in game two of the preseason. Plus, you're not going to want to be late on this Thunder team after what we saw tonight in Montreal. All coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor in chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO ThunderPod. Email the show, LO at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book, the official sports book of Lockdown. Use code Lockdown right now over there at FanDuel. We're going to talk about the Thunder's second preseason game. It took place in Montreal, in Ludort's hometown. Why the Thunder will be incredible defensively this season. You will not want to be late on this Thunder team for what we saw tonight and how the core four looked finally playing together for the first time ever. This young core got together. How did they play? We'll talk about all that coming up. Today's game had SGA active for the first time this year. He rested Monday's preseason opener, the Thunder trying to manage his minutes a little bit because he played so deep into the FIBA World Cup, only a month off between the World Cup and training camp, so not a lot of time there. And, of course, he played a vital role for Team Canada, played a ton of minutes. And so they rested him Monday, knew they wanted him back for his game in the home country uh, of Canada in Montreal, Ludoort's hometown. And so he was active. Uh, Michich who was out Monday with an ankle sprain, he was day-to-day. He was active. Still out, though, Poku. Uh, Trey Mann was a late scratch after an injury, flared up at shoot-around. jay Will, Davos Bertans, Wiggins were all resting, and then Keontae Johnson and Jack White did not play in this game uh, for the Thunder. So the biggest thing for the Thunder in this one was the fact that their defense looked absolutely elite. And when you see this game, I understand there's going to be the worry, the concern, the comments, it's just preseason, it doesn't really matter. But this is one of the things from the preseason I think you can actually take and translate to the regular season. Because this is a constant trend. And so a constant trend of a team uh, that that is under Mark Dignall has been that they get maxed out defensively and they play above their skis defensively. And he's a really good defensive coach. You even saw in the GM survey we discussed yesterday that he received votes as the best defensive scheme from, from league wide executives uh, yesterday in the NBA GM survey. So this is a proven thing that Mark can have uh, the best of the best defensively in terms of getting the best out of his talent. The thing is, This is the most talent he's ever had defensively. So this is a team that can really swarm to the ball and play physical. They have pests on this team from top to bottom that can absolutely fluster opponents. In this game alone, the Thunder forced 20 turnovers. They have the ability to play hard and defend hard and physical without getting in a ton of foul trouble. So they were able to limit fouling, especially that main unit, right? Like like Lindy Waters picked up three fouls, Meechus picked up three fouls, but that main unit, for the most part, stayed out of foul trouble. And so when you look at how this team is so successful defensively, you look at their ability to switch top to bottom. You can have Chet Holmgren on the perimeter because his length allows him to recover if you do beat him off the dribble. You know that j can defend one through four in a pinch, and a certain lineup can defend one through five. You know what Lou Dort can do switching. You have SGA, who is is six six with an ungodly wingspan. And then you have a, a very tall Josh Giddy who can who can be a complementary piece defensively. He's competent, he's smart. It's just that he's not you know gifted defensively, but he can play a role and he can be well hidden because he's not an absolute turnstile. He has the the physical advantages uh, defensively to his game, and, and the rebounding is a huge help for Josh Giddy defensively. But they're able to switch, so that 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 right there alone. Messes with the groove of the other team, but because everyone top to bottom has so much length, they can get a ton of deflections and deflections are huge. It it, it disrupts drives. It ends possessions. It gets you steals, and it lets you reset if you're in a position where you might have been beat. There, there are times where you get beat baseline, but you poke the ball out from behind, and now they, they've got it under-the-basket inbound instead of a clear path to the basket and, and an easy layup. So, so swiping through the lane to disrupt those drives has been huge for this Thunder team. The link to recover in case you do find a way uh, to to beat them off the bounce. And then just having Chet Holmgren there is a totally different Element Because you can now funnel the action inside the chat. He can make you work. If he's not outright swatting away a billion shots, he's at least making you work and and, and altering your shot. And by that time, if he can just hold you up a little bit with some rim defense, you're going to have these lengthy guys rotating and crashing down and able to to uh, disrupt things from behind as well. And then you have the mix of savvy defenders who are who are never going to get caught unprepared. This Thunder team defensively can hang their hat on the fact that if nothing else, they're going to be in the right spots. If nothing else, they're, they're going to execute their assignments. And then it just comes down to how the ball bounces, and you can create your own luck at that point. And we see that this Thunder team is savvy in picking up possessions. We, we're going to talk more about the deflections coming up, but uh, charges right? Getting illegal screens drawn by Lou Dort. Those are things that, that you are able to just pick up by the pure savvy nature of your defenders. And so that link helps you in a ton of ways. Two different ones is the deflections and then the link to tap out rebounds. And those, and when the ball gets volleyed up in the air, to tap those out, get the rebound and end your possession, uh, and then spark transition where the Thunder are so good offensively is going to really help this Thunder team. But the deflections are good in a multitude of ways. And I think that at times it's an underrated aspect of defense because if it doesn't end in a steal, you don't really see the value in it unless you're really looking for it. For one thing, deflections waste time. And that's not necessarily to get the, get the clock down to triple zeros, it's just to waste time on the shot clock and it causes panic, it causes outright shot clock violations, or it causes, instead of a, a mid-range shot or a good-looking three-point attempt or even a shot at the rim, it causes a chuck prayer from two, three, four, five steps behind the line, and sometimes you make those, more often than not you miss those shots uh, for for the other team so the flexions can just simply waste time they can also allow a really stifling defense to get reset i mentioned it before there were there are moments where case and wallace for example uh, got beat baseline tapped the ball out uh, off the hip and was able to get them to uh, have a have a under the basket side out off that off that under the basket uh, inbound play i should say uh the thunder ended up getting a turnover so it allows you to reset and, and regain your momentum or, or at least regain your legs under you uh, ahead of that defensive possession. And then sometimes it actually does in in steals. So that's an obvious case in point for why deflections are so important. But when you look at why I'm so confident this team will be a top 10 defensive team, uh, a top 10 defensive team in the NBA is because of Mark Dignall. He has been given rosters with not very much talent around it. We can be open and honest about that. When he has had semblances of talent uh, defensively, he's been able to capitalize on it. And even when those rosters were at his lowest, the staple of the Thunder have been, wow, these guys have tried hard every single night. Uh, They're competing defensively every single night. There's at times where you have Isaiah Roby down there playing center and he's in the right position. He's got his hands up. He's walled up at the rim perfectly. It's textbook defense, but He's six eight, and you're not going to be able to stop sinners in the NBA when you're six eight and Isaiah Roby's uh, size. So uh, you you've seen him every step of the way. Prioritize, ingrain, instill, and just focus on being disciplined, uh, being being textbookly sound defensively. Now implementing those structures to this group where you can rattle off this entire roster of like outright high end defensive talent, which is SGA. J Dub, Chet, Dork, Kaysen Wallace, Kenrich Williams, Aaron Wiggins, Usman Jang. They have high end defensive talent. And then you have a great mix of just annoying pests and just annoying players to go against. Isaiah Joe, no one will put him on an all defensive team ever, but he is annoying to defend and to, to, to go up against because he, on defense, he's going to stay attached to your hip and he's going to be in your. Uh, you know, in your path, and you're going to have to go through him. Jay will annoying as all get-out with with the way that he can draw charges, the way that he can uh, uh, defend in the NBA. I think that Canthy Johnson will be at worst an annoying pest to deal with defensively, and at best could see himself elevate his defensive game just given his pure strength and athleticism. Uh, Lindy Waters took a step. The, towards being a pest defensively last year, Poku that length can just annoy you and disrupt you uh, on the defensive end. And then, you know, y- your guys that that aren't in those two categories, like Josh Getty, is a very competent defender with length. Olivier Saar is a very competent defender with length and can give you a different look, and, and you can swat away shots down low, as you saw in this game. Uh, Mitchinson Man, Trey Man took a took a leap defensively last year. I think that Trey Man, if he's right offensively you can hide him defensively where he's not such a negative you can't play him uh, if he's of course on the team once, once the season starts and then mitchich you know I, I don't know if mitchich what he's going to level out as defensively in the NBA we'll talk more about as defense coming up but like mitchich would be I think hideable uh, in this league eventually uh, for the Thunder so top to bottom you don't have that many bad defenders and you have a lot of high-end defenders that if you put all that in a pot and let Mark cook, this defense is going to be really good. I think it'll be top 10 in the league uh, fairly easily this season because you got a glimpse of what it could be uh, today. I mean, they set out to be good defensively today. They talked all week about how Monday was a bad representation and they wanted to be more physical and they were disappointed with their effort Monday. They came back Thursday in game two and they absolutely dominated on the defensive end. They were lights out. The main guys that played uh, you know The main staples of your rotation were lights out defensively and had a really, really stellar game. Part of that stellar game was this young core. And then for the first time, as much as we've talked about the Thunder having possibly the best young core in the NBA, for the first time ever, we saw that core four play basketball together. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about a good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, Fanduel's great. It's Fanduel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's a sportsbook for you. It's Locked On's official sportsbook. It's the NFL's official sportsbook. And new customers can get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's p- placing a five dollar bet when loser draw. You're going to get two hundred dollars in bonus bets, and you can use that to place on spreads player props, over-unders, and more. So go there right now to FanDuel. And if you're only an NBA fan, that's okay. You can go to FanDuel.com and you can either bet on the games ahead. So like the, the lines are already out for the Thunder season opener in Chicago. The Thunder are a point and a half underdog. So if you think the Thunder are going to win that game, go hammer the Thunder plus one and a half. But you can also bet on awards. Like Mark Dignall is the favorite to win Coach of the Year. If you think he's going to win Coach of the Year, you can go place money down on him at FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel.com slash on. We're back on the On Thunder Podcast. On Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. So the biggest part of Thunder basketball is that core four. It's Josh Giddy. It's Chet Holmgren. It's J-Dub. It's SGA. And for the last year, we've been saying how the Thunder have the best young core in the NBA. And that statement has been validated by national media. It's been validated by executives around the NBA and the GM survey. It's been validated by just every NBA fan believes that this young core has what it takes to be really good. The thing is tonight was the first time we've ever seen the young core play together. And boy, was it a really good first impression. This is going to be a very, very fun season. And we spent all the first segment talking about how they're going to be a top 10 defense in the NBA. I don't know how far behind the offense will be. It's not going to be top 10 in the NBA. I don't know how far behind it will be, though. With the amount of cutters that this team has, it'll and savvy passers that this team has, it'll lead to such easy buckets. And then you see SGA and Chet Holmgren getting to the rim at the pace that they're getting to and getting to the free throw line at the rate that they're getting to. You'd expect the bump from Jadav and Josh Giddy in getting to the free throw line as well in that category, which is another area. Of easy points. I think that they've improved their three-point shooting. I think that they've gotten better with their ball movement than they were even last year, which is how they made their bread and butter last year was with keen ball movement. They've gotten better at that with who they've added to this team, and the amount of easy points they can get. the The, the way that defense translates to offense uh, in transition. This is a team that played with the third best pace in the NBA last year, the third fastest pace. And now you're going to add a shot blocker who can go coast to coast. You're going to add even more link to disrupt uh, uh, other teams. Now you're going to get even better, I think, at, at transition basketball and getting the advantage in the fast break. So the offense will come easier to this Thunder team. I think that you know that you have SGA who can go get you a bucket. He scored 31 points per game last year. He dominated uh, the FIBA World Cup against other NBA stars. Like last year was no fluke. He's a top 10 player in the NBA, cons- you know, consensusly, or cons- consensus, he is the top 10 NBA player uh, in this league. Uh, he can go get you a bucket. I think that J-Dub, I think that Jib's taken a massive step as a scorer. Uh, I-, I think he's just overhauled his portfolio of scoring at the rim, which we're going to talk about soon. Chet Holmgren, that three-point shot looks really, really good into summer league games, and we've seen what he can do when getting to the lane and getting to the rim with a full head of steam, both off the bounce and also uh, on the pick and roll as a lob threat, uh, as a cutter, uh, as just a guy who's just putting his head down and getting to the basket. So those are all things that can really help this Thunder team, and when you Look at the way this Thunder team played defensively as a core four. Like you had SGA thinning on the floor, getting steals in a preseason game. It just sets the tone for what this looks like. And Shea talked about it after the game. I know that you're incorporating Chet to this, so it's a little bit different, but Shea really harped on after the game that um, this is the first time that they've had any sort of continuity, that they've had a, a huge bulk of returners on this roster Uh, And Chet is technically a returner because he was around last year. It's his first time on the court, but Chet was in practices. He was in uh, film studies. He was uh, seeing courtside, what worked, what didn't work, where guys like the ball, where guys don't like the ball, where guys like to thrive offensively, what role they like to play. He was seeing and picking up all those things. And I think that that's really helped make his uh, integration into this team pretty seamless on the court. Uh, but I also think that it's helped this team uh, gel faster. And when you sit back and watch this team tonight defensively and you watch how easily they scored, and I know that the Pistons you know, are not going to be uh, some juggernaut in the NBA. I know the Spurs aren't going to be some juggernaut in the NBA. But when you watch what the Thunder are doing, I think that that's translatable to to any opponent. Like, there's going to be obviously better teams, than not like there's going to be better teams than than others, and there's going to be better defenses than others. But the Thunder can consistently do these things, no matter their opponent. And with as much talent as the Thunder have, and 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 I, it goes back to yesterday's podcast. Everybody's willing to acknowledge how talented this team is, but people are not willing to go on that limb and say they're a playoff team or say they're a top four team in the West, or say that they are a top six team in the West. No one's willing to go on that limb. They'll dance around it by saying they have four future all-stars, two future MVP candidates, the best young core in the NBA, one of the best coaches in the NBA. They'll they'll heap all that praise until it's time to to elevate them past the 10th seed. And I think that all of that comes down to they haven't done it yet. And if that's your only knock on this team is that they haven't done it yet. It's kind of silly. If that's the only thing holding you back, if you believe that experience being equal, that this team is better than Minnesota or better than Dallas or better than uh, the Clippers or better than whoever, right? If you believe independent of experience, that they're better than certain teams talent wise, then you should just go with it. You're not going to want to be reactive and late to this Thunder team. They're good enough. This is going to be a really good Thunder team because no team ever has done it until they've done it. Right? So like we can see that this team is supremely talented. It goes back to like last year with the Kings, like at this time last year, nobody thought the Kings would be a top three seed. They were the three seed in the West. And I think that this is even easier to spot than last year's Kings. This Thunder team will be a top six seed in the West. They will be a top 10 defense in the NBA and they will be an, a very fun team to watch offensively that their life gets easier offensively by the rate that they get to the free throw line and the way that they play defense. And so I, I, I limit the top, I limit it to top six seed in the West because as I've said yesterday, the West is going to be decided by one game. Like like one game will flip flop around seeds and, and it will be the biggest ebbs and flow year ever i promise you if someone wanted to bookmark this podcast and clip out this segment this would wind up on cold takes exposed like seven times and then hopefully winds up on uh, flaming hot takes eight times because there's going to be moments and peaks and valleys throughout the season for every single team top to bottom but at the end of the day when it's all leveled out this thunder team is one of the top six teams in the west And they have one of the best defenses in in the NBA and they have a culture and they have a young team who's going to try to win basketball games. And as I keep crutching on uh, this offseason, I can't guarantee you that every team in the West is going to try to win basketball games every single night. And most importantly of all that, this Thunder team is one of the deeper teams in the Western Conference. They can withstand some bruises. They can withstand uh, some nights where a guy just doesn't have it, and they can flip through the Rolodex of the rotation and find guys that do. So, so the, the core four was as good as advertised. Chet Holmgren has been as good as advertised. J-Dub has looked better than last year. SGA is a bona fide blue chip superstar. And then you have Josh Giddy, who has an elite NBA trait, and as we're going to talk about coming up, has the ability and has the potential all out in front of him to to be supremely good this year if he gains some consistency. We'll talk about that coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder Podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. SGA, 12 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds, 3 steals a block, missed one shot, hit a step back 3, for the for the we want to see him shoot threes crowd got to the line six times made five of them a really good debut from SGA you know what to expect from SGA Jalen Williams I think has improved from last year in a pretty dramatic way and I know that it's rookie you know to sophomore so uh, it's going to be hard to like call him the most improve because uh, everyone is supposed to improve this young but you know development is not linear and you oftentimes see guys take a bigger leap year two to three than year one to two but. The muscle that Jeddup has added to himself, I think, is great. And, and and this can a lot of times go either way. Where like sometimes it uh, you add muscle and it does do good for you in one capacity, but takes away from you in other capacities. I think that Jeddup found the perfect balance of of it allows him to play with more brute strength and, and lower the shoulder, bump defenders off their spot, and get to the line uh, and get to the rim as well. It also allows him to to play up positionally defensively and to hold his own in the post uh, defensively. But it doesn't limit him in his finesse game where he's able to be shifty and use his length and finish around you. He can now finish through you and finish around you. And for a dude who was one of the best in the NBA at shooting at the rim last year already, he gets even better. And with that, with that improvement of his strength comes more confidence and more situations where he can Uh, be aggressive offensively. If you know that you can go into the rim on smaller matchups with ease uh, and you can either finish around or through somebody, you can then go get a bucket in certain lineups and in certain games and in certain matchups to where it's just another option to where if you're doubling Shea and and, and tripling Shea, you're going to pick your poison to where you're going to leave open uh, a guy like Jada who can really, really score. 17 points, a rebound, two assists, three steals for him. Uh, Defensively, he was really good. Look, Josh Giddy, he can do it. Like He can have a really, really good role in this team. Uh, you know what he can do as a passer. As I said before, the defense, yes, is, is going to get criticized uh, very harshly because, by comparison, he does not look like a really good defender. But when you watch him play, he is in the right spots more often than not. Uh, he can use his length, and he can get a ton of rebounds, which is still a good defensive trait for a player to end possessions. That is still ending a possession. It's not a, a oftentimes kind of like talked about defensive area for, for a guard technically in Josh Getty. But I think defensively he can be hideable. I think he can be passable. I think he can be a little bit above average uh, once he hits that peak, but he's not there yet. He is just right now a very hideable, competent defender. Offensively, though, you know that he can he can grab you a few offensive rebounds. You know that he can be an elite passer and set guys up in a big way but he's continued to flash at the end of last year in the FIBA World Cup and now in preseason. He's continued to flash this punishing driving ability at the rim where he takes advantage of smaller guards as a 6'9 guard, takes them to the rack, and finishes through them. And eventually, we saw it in the World Cup, that it added to more free throws. Eventually, hopefully, that adds to more free throws in the NBA. But there's also moments where he relies on the floater too much. There's also moments where he just passes up those opportunities and those looks. There's also moments where he pulls the string and misses a, a good look at the rim and just can't convert. If he can gain consistency shooting at the rim and finishing at the rim, then he can unlock a different gear to his game. If he can gain consistency shooting in the mid-range, he can unlock a different gear to his game. And I think because of his playmaking, those two things are arguably just as, if not more important, than his three-point shooting. Because if he can shoot in the mid-range, and he can get to the rim at will, and he can compromise your defense by by his ability to pass, so if you rotate to help out, on his drives, then he can either A, pull up for a mid-range shot, or B, kick to the open man who's going to be uh, a, a, in a good position to score. Then it just helps you uh, so much more than hoping he improves to a level where uh, the defense is going to just attack him. Because at the end of the day, on this specific Thunder team, let's say Josh Giddy gets to 35% three-point shooting, Right you have so many other things to worry about in the majority of lineups that he's in? So like what lineups will Josh Giddy be a catch and shoot guy from three? It'll be lineups where you're, he's sharing the floor with SGA, with J-Dub, with Chet. When you have those three other guys on the floor and your options are attack hard on a closeout to Josh Giddy, even though he is shooting 35% from three and leave someone else open of those other three or stay home and see if a 35% three-point shooter makes this one or not you're still going to choose. Let's see if this 35% three-point shooter can make it. So to me, the, the realistic jump in three-point percentage uh, is I think a little bit, a little bit overvalued comparatively to rounding out his game as a rim finisher, getting to the line more and shooting that mid range shot. So I, I think that with Josh Kitty you're looking for those two things to get more consistently for him. Uh, now, That core four was really good. They were as good as advertised. Let's talk Lou Dort. Back in his hometown, first game back in Montreal on the court since junior year of high school. Uh, The teammates were hunting him early, and that was awesome to see. The crowd was insane for Lou Dort. Uh, He had like over 100 people there from his family alone. Uh, 24 points, four rebounds five for nine from three, 66% from the floor. He had a really good job of relocating and finding windows in the zone defense to shoot the ball, which was really nice. And then you know what he does defensively. Lou Dort was really good tonight. Really, really have to feel good for Lou Dort. It's a preseason game. Like the, Everyone knew it was at stake, quote unquote. And the, at the end of the day, the pros of of hunting Lou Dort and getting that crowd so juiced up outweighed everything. And you just have to feel really good for Lou Dort. Uh, Michich made his debut. And he had some really nice plays. He had a great assist to, to Chet Holmgren on a beautiful drive kick to Chet for three. He had two really good assists to Isaiah Joe for three, who will likely be sharing the floor with a lot. He had a nice no-look pass to Jang. Uh, he had three assists in nine minutes. He looked really comfortable on offense and really confident on offense. Like, the confidence it takes to airball a three on your first-ever shot attempt in the NBA and then to come back and not let that shake you and still play your game— Uh, It shows you why he's a two-time EuroLeague MVP, a 29-year-old who has has just great confidence. Two for six from three, seven points, three assists, steal. Offensively, I I liked everything that you you saw from him. I I liked his versatility offensively, too, to play on and off ball, but particularly liked him on ball. He he did everything on ball that I wanted him to do. Uh, This is a guy who I think you can trust as a secondary playmaker. You can trust as somebody to help elongate your depth. By by trusting Mitch to run your offense – you are no longer forced to stagger SGA and Giddy. You're no longer forced to stagger SGA, Giddy, and J Dub to where they can all play together more because no one's in charge of having their minutes thrown off by by having to manage the bench unit. So if you can just pass the baton to Mitic and let that be his role, then Mitic can really help you, um, you know, thrive in that way and 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 help you spell uh, your three guys that you like on the starting group uh, and get them some more some more load management rest, so to say, even during games they're playing. And so offensively, I liked it from Matic. Now, he did struggle defensively. I think that there's no sugarcoating or hiding that he was not good defensively. I want to wait to cash judgment on his defense just because you cannot simulate NBA speed. And so I believe from what we saw today, if today was the starting point baseline data point collection, I believe that he will become a, a passable NBA defender. I didn't see enough to make me think that he's going to be a turnstile, just god-awful uh, hunted and, and terrible defender. I didn't see enough today that, that makes me think that he's going to be a, a above-average defender. I think he can level off as an average guy, but likely for this whole year, probably, he'll be below average defensively as he gets a, as he gets acclimated to the NBA. Uh, Kendrick Williams really good tone setter. I think that you, you saw him take it upon himself after Mark and Lou and and the team talked about how disappointed they were in their effort and physicality defensively on Monday to bring that intensity defensively. He had that deflection. He scrapped for the ball, poked it out, got a shot clock violation, and then immediately splashes a three. He left with some discomfort, but I don't think it was anything because uh, the Thunder PR never, never addressed it. And Mark after the game didn't address it uh, from what, we've seen on Twitter. So I don't think it's anything uh, to worry about with Kenneth Williams. Uh, But as a little note, he was dominating the shooting competition on Tuesday from three and hit a three in this game. So Kenny hustle three point ball. You love to see it. Usman Jang was one of the brighter notes of this game because the aggression he played with looked a lot more similar to a summer league than not. Like he looked very comfortable. He took about two or three pretty contested three-pointers like they weren't they were overly contested but if you hesitate like he used to they would have been smothered had had he just given that little hitch and pause that he used to give on the offensive end so that was great to see he had 10 shots made 5 of them with two threes uh, 14 points 4 rebounds three assists really stuck his nose in it defensively and on the glass just playing more physically of just wanting to get involved, like like wanting to contest shots down low, wanting to scrap for rebounds. That was encouraging stuff, and that's how Usman Zhang gets on the court. Usman Zhang does not get on the court floating around. He's got to be willing to be versatile, play the four, and and be aggressive uh, as a defender. He was, once again, in that first group of subs, as he was on Monday. Uh, So you can read into that what you will. It is preseason, but uh, for a team that's going to be very uh, competitive in terms of getting minutes – it was good to see. Casein uh, Wallace uh, nine points, three rebounds, four assists, two for three from three. I think that he was an underrated aspect of Monday's game uh, defensively. I think that I, I believe in his defense in the NBA, uh, translating to the NBA even more so after these two games that we've seen. And I think they looked really crisp as a ball handler and as a as a playmaker in this game. There were times in summer league where he struggled as a playmaker. Uh, I think he looked better in this game than he did in summer league as a playmaker. Uh, he still has to work on finding a way to score inside the arc. But two for three from three, uh, and the versatility he gives you offensively, I really like what you're going to see from Casey Wallace. I, I, I still believe that at some point, whether it's now or you know January, February, at some point, Caseen Wallace, as a rookie, will make a big impact for the Thunder. So that's going to do it for today's uh, game. MVP of the game, give it the, give it the chat. Why not? He had a stellar game. But I'm interested in Sunday's game. We're going to recap Sunday's game on Monday, of course, but a 4 p.m. start on the road after a few days off, who plays? You know, Jack White didn't play today. Kathy Johnson didn't play today. Trey Mann didn't play today. JRE has barely gotten run the last couple of games. Is the decision for the roster spots already made? And so that's why they're not playing and you just don't care? Do you still want to use these as evaluation points? Um, An afternoon game on the road, you're not really worried about uh, playing uh, your your normal guys unless you just want to. Like there's no like business decision to be made there. Uh, So, I'm interested to see what what the rotations look like for that game on Sunday versus the Hornets because you do have a quicker turnaround playing Tuesday at home and then Thursday uh, against the Pistons in uh, Tulsa. So uh, after these couple of days off, you do get quicker turnarounds this week. So how they manage that Sunday afternoon game will be will be interesting to watch for. Uh, if you're just going to keep tabs on Twitter, we'll have it all for you there at Ryland underscore styles. So again, Monday's show will be a Hornets recap on Tuesday. We're going to do a mailbag podcast, so drop your questions after three preseason games that you have for the mailbag podcast. Wednesday, we'll recap that Bucks game. Thursday, we'll have a guest for you to preview the season. And then Friday, we're going to have that Pistons recap. So another loaded week on Lockdown Thunder. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.